It's okay to be crap at stuff. My Mount Fortune, this is my 530. are so lucky to have Matt Fortune join us for the podcast. Not only is he so down to earth, quick-witted, considerate and a great friend and support to both of us, he's really inspirational in his efforts of self-improvement and loves a challenge. From an Ironman to veganism and many more in between, he's struck gold with finding the time to do it all. We recorded this episode in the desert at sunrise, which was so cool and felt very appropriate. And I think listeners are going to really enjoy this conversation. Matt is a modest guy, but he's achieved a lot, and I think it's great that we can celebrate that here. Hope you enjoy it. So you have three dogs. I do. What are their names? <laughs> There's Rafiki. There's my golden boy. And then we have Rain. And Rain is Pickle's mum. There's like a very interesting story about this because uh, <laughs> I think you didn't know that uh, Rain had pickle. That's very and true. It's... Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. That was quite some week. So with uh, yeah, the, the backstory was so we had we re- we rescued Rafiki in twenty nineteen. Rescued from like a, a shelter. Pet or... rescue, yeah, we we decided that we wanted a dog, and so we signed up to a couple of the rescue pages. I'd never heard of Japanese spits before. And we saw, we actually applied for a couple of other dogs previously that because we didn't have dogs, you know, you get, you have to go through an application process and I've never had dogs. Laura's had dogs her whole life. Um, so we didn't get a couple. And then Michael, as he was known as, because that was the name of the person that he was, that brought him Michael. in. So it's so sad. Is we get, he got, he was listed as Michael because yeah, the, the person who found him in Murdiff Park was called Michael. He was skinny and he was covered in ticks and please and he just looked so sad so Laura went to see him took him immediately and they give you the little passport it says no name on it which is the most heartbreaking little thing so no that was love at first sight uh that was Raph so we had Raph for two years decided we thought you know maybe we could get another one we uh we had a little garden flat in Old Town and we thought we could probably handle another dog so on the Tuesday we just been chatting about it casually. On the Tuesday, Laura found a listing for Rain, who was listed as a one-year-old, healthy, but uh, in a really terrible way. She, I mean, the list of uh, issues with her is very, very long. She had no ears. She had the bottom of her eyes was scratched out. She'd been used for baiting and fight. Anyway, horrendous. So Laura, my wife, in a moment of emotional softness was like i want to go and see her we're traveling in two weeks let's just foster her for a couple of weeks just try and give her a little bit of a lift so anyway that's the tuesday thursday she calls me from the foster uh, the rescue center and says she's in the car and bringing her home i was like okay, okay. <laughs> cool <laughs> looks like we've got two dogs then um because she's, she just looks so sad but we'll, so we'll, we'll give her a chance anyway when you when you pick rain up her back would click at the base of her spine. You know, like you click your knuckles. It's not normal for a dog. So on the Saturday, we decided to take her to the vets. And as I said a minute ago, she was one years, one year old, healthy, uh, but traumatized. Anyway, as soon as we gave her to the vet, the vet said, she, she may be about nine. She's definitely not one. Nine? And he went through the list of things wrong with her. She had about 
five or six tumors in her nipples, serious ear infection, serious tooth infection, all of it. And then plus, you know, the ears and the eyes. It was too much. Anyway, and Laura said, uh, and he said, this back's not normal, so we'll, we'll take her for an x-ray. Just took her for an x-ray. We went and sat in the reception of the vet. And the vet came out and said, I think, uh, I think you need to come look at this. Anyway, Laura started crying, so I can't take any more bad news. And he went out the back, and on the x-ray was one enormous puppy already in the birth canal. <laughs> um, yeah, five days later, Pickle was born in the house. That's how I ended up with three dogs. Who <laughs> <laughs> now fully dictate your life. Yeah, totally. In every single part of it, Pickle's a little psychopath. He's part Pomeranian, part Japanese spits. But Pomeranians are supposed to be about four to five kilos and he's 11 kilos and slightly crazy. Do you feeding him? He's all skin and bone as well. He's got the most amazing tail. He's got a Pomeranian's tail on like a desert dog's body, which is kind of fun. So cute. I wouldn't change it for the world. I'd like to sleep more, but <laughs> that's it. It's a, it's a, it's a tough, tough work. Yeah. So how do you guys, like when you travel, how does it, what's, what's the dynamics? Yeah, like, so they all go to daycare. So we, we, there's a daycare center in Dubai who are excellent with all of them. They get an extra large room so they can stay together. I have to budget for a holiday for me and Laura and then budget for a holiday for those two. <laughs> daycare such is the exorbitant cost of such a thing. But no, it's fine. They're, they're okay, I think. I'm a dog parent myself, so yeah. I feel the, the it, pain, but you can't just like throw it away. You no. Know, once you see them, it just changes everything. Yeah. If you're tired, <laughs> it disappears. <laughs> yeah. You know, like uh, Jexy, my dog, like she sleeps on my bed, which was like a bad, yeah. you know, it was like a bad practice from <laughs> the very beginning, but now she just like literally just owns me. And that's yeah. it. She, she rules the house. I <laughs> bought a bigger car just because of her. So, uh, yeah. It's funny. We went, we had a dog trainer, uh, because Raf, Raf, the original has really bad lead aggression. We had a dog trainer who basically all of those things you said, Chris, are all the wrong things to do if you want your dog to be really well behaved. But then I realized that that's, I, he's not, try, he's a bit of a pain, but he's not like, he's not aggressive. And I couldn't, so this, this guy, I was really smart guy. It's not a criticism of him, but his dog just had, there was nothing about the dog. There was no personality there because it had been, it was so subservient to him. There was a scene, you know, there was a bit where Raf came during training and sat between Laura and I because he felt a bit intimidated by this guy. And I went to put my hand on Raf to say everything was going to be okay. And the guy was like, no, you can't do that. Oh, Because he came to, he came to you for comfort. And if you do that, he's in charge. <laughs> and I found the whole thing, like, I can't, I can't not lavish all of my attention so on Raph him. So Raf is the alpha in the family. Hey, he runs that's, the show. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. When it comes to travel, yeah. where do you love? I mean, I know you like to do a lot of <laughs> desert vibe camping. Yeah. But if you go further afield, like where's your favorite place that you've been to? Oh, fair. The, the place I've been to most commonly is Oman camping in the back of the Jeep. Um, we're going to Oman in uh, Nepal in April for a 10 day hike, which will be nice. South Africa in November. So we try and do outdoorsy stuff or city breaks. We're not really beachy places or anything else like that or kind of oh, Laura's desperate to go to Italy 
And I think I'm in the massive minority where it doesn't really appeal to me so much because I feel like I've seen too much of it. Feels I feel like it's on every TV show that it doesn't really. I'd like to get on, not to sound much like I don't do the things that other people do because I do. Um, still use the same guidebooks as everybody else, but I just quite like to feel that I'm somewhere completely that I haven't experienced either through TV or anything else like that. Yeah. So we don't do we don't tend to go back to the same places very often. I don't think. Um, apart from Oman, but then you go to different places in Oman, so it's that's where we like to get out. That's so nice. <laughs> I'm very much the opposite of that. <laughs> you just book a flight straight to Italy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Twice in a month. But I get that, the comfort of it, right? My parents are exactly the same. My parents will go to the same place. My parents still work. They're in their seven well, my dad's in his mid sixties, my mom's in her early seventies, they still work. And their idea and what they need from a holiday is just immediate comfort. So they go to the same place, same town, have the same coffee, speak to the same waiter, have been doing it for 20 years. And I get it, for sure, but for me, I need to yeah. like the discomfort of it, I think. I guess as well, we're super lucky, like living in Dubai, we can go to the beach every weekend if we yeah. wanted to and live like we're on holiday. So sometimes it's nice to get away from that and have something totally different. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's yeah, your holiday is supposed to be the, the counter to how you live normally, right? Yeah, I need to embrace that a little bit. <laughs> it's 5.30. Are you, are you okay in there? You want to move here? No, I'm good. You're good? Yeah, it's nice. The sun's rising. It's a res- <laughs> the birds chirping. Yeah, it's, it's a really sweet location in here. We're not sending anything. Absolutely brilliant. Don't share the pin with people. No, never. <laughs> Nothing infuriates me more when they, when they ask about the location and then they start trashing stuff. But equally, if it's a hidden gem... Let them explore. Yeah. Yeah. Let them find it. There's no adventure in just going directly to a pin on a place that somebody else discovered for you, I don't think. Exactly. Especially in this, this is the only tree for miles. So let people discover it. How often do you uh, go on adventure within the within the country? Within the UAE, not as often as I would like. The aforementioned dogs are somewhat restrictive when it comes to that. Because despite the size of my car, fitting three dogs in there easily because of the setup I have in the back is slightly tricky but once every six weeks maybe we'll go out even if it's just for a nighttime cookout somewhere in the desert just to be outdoors i can see that this is your dream rig do you want to talk yeah, about i mean more it's, about... it's it's not quite dream yet it still needs a lot of uh more aesthetically pleasing stuff on the outside but yeah on the inside of my jeep i have a, a 30 liter fridge a dual gas stove a camping bed uh, and a whole set up that will, is too much for me. <laughs> that allows us to well because i live in an apartment right so i can't afford a roof i can't put a roof tent on because i'd never be able to park inside so i created this little setup that it was custom designed and built a company here in dubai um that just means i can yeah just pull up anywhere in fact i recently moved house and was renovating my kitchen didn't have a kitchen for a month so would <laughs> would go and cook on the side of <laughs> Hessa Street or First Al-Hail just pull out on the side of the road and cook my dinners because I was sick and tired of delivery. I actually had one guy came up to me on literally five seconds from my house kind of behind the greens where I live and was like, oh dude, I have a nice setup. Uh, how far have you been traveling? I was like, 
literally just turned left out of my house. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just don't have a kitchen, so I needed to be able to. Uh, Are you from Australia? To be able to cook. Yeah, Are you exactly. overlanding I'm, from New Zealand? <laughs> overlanding all the way to London. <laughs> Actually, it's just the greens to Jebel Ali Racecourse. Um, so yeah, it's cool. I like it. It's, uh, it was a little passion project for a bit. Um, I need to throw a bit more money out to make it a bit more off-roady, I think. It's a bottomless pit of awesomeness. <laughs> I started, I, it took me like two years to put something in the back of my truck. And now I just can't stop like, yeah. thinking about the next one. I don't think it's going to stop. No, until you've like totally custom. <laughs> I mean, what you need for yours, which I love, is that you can put the whole fake roof on, right? With the tent that then raises exactly. inside and it becomes fully livable. I'm thinking of the the uh, electronic ones. Yeah, it'll be fun. My dream, I'd, I'd, I would love to drive to London one day and that would be my thing that would be I could just look on Sophie's face at the very suggestion of driving is that even doable yeah there's a story last year maybe well yeah it would have been middle of last year maybe the year before a guy who did it in a Volkswagen Golf drove to Paris from here I think I saw that one yeah please. so you can now roads are slightly easier I was there's two ways to do it I think you can get the ferry to Bandar Abbas in Iran and then up and through the top that way or now you can go Saudi and across and up that way I love people that have that kind of commitment and dedication to their passion, which brings us on oh, nicely. <laughs> nice, segue. What a pro. nice, another little Sophie segue. Ryan, what a pro! <laughs> Just getting warmed up over here. I feel like when we first met, we bonded over your ability to decide you were going to go vegan, give up coffee, give up something, train for something, and just switch your mind to be able to just do it and be so committed and dedicated to it. And I firstly want to know what you're doing now, whether you're training for some <laughs> boxing events. Mm. And I, we want to talk here about <laughs> you being in, I don't know what you call it, but I'm guessing being, right. being an Iron Man. Are you an Iron Man? I'm or are you Iron an Iron Man <laughs> participant? <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. You, you mentioned yeah. your coffee drink, which is not caffeinated. It's mushrooms. Correct. Like what? Are, where, where does all all of this come from? Good question. I don't, genuinely don't know where it comes from, particularly in terms of these. I mean, the cynical would call it fads, I guess. I've been vegetarian now for four years, nearly. Fully veggie, no meat, no fish. No meat, no fish. I did have one slip in November last year. What did you have? Well, I took my wife for our wedding anniversary to Koya. <laughs> for brunch I think I remember this story and there was two things on the menu that I could eat that weren't fish or meat and I thought I'm not dropping this amount of money on a anniversary brunch so I just went a bit wild for a one-off so that was just the one anyway um, I don't, honestly I don't know where it comes from I, I've never well I know where it, it all started in 2015 16 I signed up for a white collar boxing event and that totally pivoted my attitude towards life and achievements and doing things and so since then i've been very in what way uh in what way i so it was the first time i think that i'd ever comfortably been not very good at something obviously i've been not very good at lots of things but never comfortable with not being very good at those kind of things and i was terrible at boxing couldn't get my head around it at all was timid would never throw a punch any of that sort of stuff and then I got acceptably, you know, passably okay at it. And I think that just bridged the whole new attitude of how it's, it's okay to be a crap at stuff, at anything. So it's made me completely 
change my outlook on taking things on and doing things. So I don't really put labels on things very often. So I don't, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do meat free Januaries or whatever. It was just, I literally stopped. There was no pre determined decision making about stopping eating meat. I'm now on six and a half weeks of no alcohol for about the fifth time that I've done it for a long period of time. That wasn't predetermined. I just thought, actually, I'm just not going to drink tomorrow and then not drink the next day, not drink the next day. So I don't put labels on the things because then you have, you're a bit too scared of things. So as long as you're comfortable not doing that, and that's how I ended up doing Ironman, how I ended up doing boxing, how I ended up doing the thing that I'm doing now, or will start doing now, or have planned to do next. What's that? I'm going to try and, it's called Le Jog. It's where it's cycle from Land's End to John O'Groats in the UK, which is the most south westerly point in England to so the most northwesterly point in Scotland about 1100 miles it's about 1700 it's like something that you're into uh, at the moment no. or so you do do it in a, in a you want to challenge yourself kind of yeah, way yeah so those challenge those those you have for sporting things you have to have something to aim for but for lifestyle things you just have to be able to roll with them I think so it's quite nice yeah. to be able to to just be so comfortable in myself that I can try something if it doesn't work out if you so that's what I mean when if you put labels on things you can you all you're constantly confined by that target in life which is a lot harder to stick to than a training regime or a, a athletic target which is why I kind of build them as and do you feel better for it like yeah super comfortable with myself yeah that's took a long awesome. time to get there like I said it was five six years ago six years ago and when did you start like the uh, triathlon thing because I've seen you train like <laughs> like crazy. Well, triathlon came about because I wasn't allowed to box anymore because I was getting married and my wife didn't want a <laughs> black-eyed, broken-nosed <laughs> groom in the wedding photos. Uh, so I took something else on. And triathlon, it was just a casual thing, but as with those things... And again, coming back to my point is that if I wasn't... I threw myself into it and I was not scared to be crap at it. And I turned out that actually I was fine at it and I enjoyed it and so because I hadn't gone into it with this whole right I'm going to do an Ironman that's going to be my thing because if you set that target and it turns out that you're crap at swimming and you let yourself be affected by that you're never going to get to be able to swim as far as you need to do for an Ironman so by just being comfortable in wanting to go and try these things and actually finding out I'm quite good at well quite good I'm comparatively speaking good at those things and able to do them I was able to then think okay maybe I'll do an actual proper triathlon I'll not just train and then maybe I'll do a half Ironman and I was like actually do you know what I could probably do it and then you're so comfortable by that point that you can keep on pushing for it so that's how I got there just for the sake of uh, knowing what Ironman is oh. could you just like yeah. uh, describe uh, it it's a swim bike run so you swim 4,100 meters you then get out and you bike 180 kilometers and then you get off the bike and you run twenty uh forty two point two kilometers. It's like a full full on marathon. Full marathon, yeah. That's the end. insane. <laughs> it's great. What, like, what does your training schedule look like for something like that? Like, what time are you getting up in the morning? Because obviously, you was still holding down like a full time job, yeah. a stressful full time job at the time. First thing you need is a a wife that is supportive of. That's <laughs> yeah, very important. <laughs> Shout out, Laura. Right, write that down. You need someone that will be like, yes, okay, sure. <laughs> no worries. I'll go without a birthday present because you spent more money on your bike. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're training. So I was probably training at peak 15 to 17 hours a week. 
which would include six, five, probably six on the bike, spread across a couple of rides per week. You'd run three and a half, four, swim most mornings. I was lucky where I worked, where we worked, I uh, had access to a pool in the morning, so that made that easy. I've always been very good at waking up in the morning. I'm very lucky in Dubai to have 250 kilometers of untapped, the very safe cycle route, so that yeah. was okay. The challenge got my Ironman was in May, so my back end of my training was in winter, uh, in summer. So when I had to turn out like 180k, which is like six hours for at the speed I was doing it, um, I'd start at like 2 a.m. because otherwise it would be too hot. So he'd come up to the Al Qudra bike track at two o'clock in the morning on what was then a Friday morning. It was a old weekend schedule and churn out six hours in the pitch black on your own. But it's amazing though, because these are all individual sports. So whether yeah. it's like boxing, <laughs> running, yeah. cycling. So like the mental strength yeah. that you have to have and that you put on yourself. It's the best bit. That's, that's the bit that's that is. That's the most it's like, rewarding. The, the physical bit is, it's funny, the Ironman race day wasn't easy in that sense. I never had any concern or doubt that I was going to be able to do it physically. It was all just about where you were in your head. And I was so comfortable all day that it was, it's all about conditioning your brain to be able to be very comfortable with where you're at. And that's the thing again, it goes all the way back to that point about being comfortable being crap at stuff. I couldn't swim. I couldn't swim more than 50 meters, but I was okay with that. So yeah. it was fine. So I was able to just get better progressively. Same with riding the bike. I mean, obviously I could ride a bike, but I, the thought of doing 180 k's is was mental back at the beginning but well it's still it still is mental now (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i'm like 45 minutes in the spin class and off (laughs) no it was it was a really good experience funny thing is i actually haven't genuinely haven't ridden a bicycle since the end of my bike leg of ironman which was 2019 how was that how did that go? Like the feeling of like being in the race and crossing that finish line. It was yeah. in California, right? California. It's yeah. a beautiful weather it's there. It's crazy. a beautiful yeah. train. What was what went through your mind is like like running for like twentieth mile. It was great. It's honestly I was so I was it was weirdly calm the whole day. Very it's very odd. I can never really describe it. I never the swim was very meditative because you just the thing with I actually find uh half Ironman, which I've done a three of harder than the full Ironman because half Ironman you have to push yourself beyond the physical limit to because it's shorter right full Ironman is all about being in control the whole day so you're never you're never elevating your heart rate beyond a certain point you're never so it's all about control and I have a bit of control issues so it was quite a comfortable which is why I do individual sports as well not much of a team sport kind of person I'm a bit too individualistic in that sense you like it your own way a little bit yeah i remember that day because we were watching you Damn. on the internet <laughs> the we were following you talk going around the app <laughs> yeah sophie's birthday oh yeah no may level. you were may gone level. for a month that was painful for me <laughs> <laughs> i'll never forget that sorry about that chris yeah <laughs> left you in the in the grip of the meanies <laughs> above our heads um yeah i think that's why, that's why i haven't ridden a bike since because i have months to not do anything so we travel is it still there i remember you told me that it's just like it's, it's actually, under your bed it's a, no it's actually a piece of wall art oh cool <laughs> <laughs> it's on a big shelf in the spare bedroom or the dog's bedroom as we call it and if i can if i can remember vividly you were you were doing it for a cost <laughs> that's it, you yeah. can mind sharing that no no sure <laughs> i did it for uh uh calm which is the campaign against living miserably it's a uh, men's mental health uh suicide prevention line 
I didn't do it for any reason. There's no, there's no emotive story attached to it beyond the importance of it. I think, uh, I wrote when I was asking for sponsorship that I was very fort. I'm really lucky to have had so in my previous life in the UK, I had access to private healthcare. I saw somebody for a while, never been diagnosed with anything like serious inverted commas in that space. Just nice to be able to talk to people. And that's what calm position themselves as is, is the biggest killer of men of my age group in the UK is suicide. And that just is crazy really to think about it. So it's about spreading the word that it's okay to talk about those kind of things. Um, I did it 10, 12, 12 years ago, spoke to someone six months later, moved to Dubai and changed quite a lot about my life, which was good. And it's just a shame that people don't have access to be able to speak about those kind of things. So because obviously I'm speaking to mostly peer group people when I'm talking about whatever I'm doing, because they're my friends and family and people in that space. I thought it was the most relevant thing to raise money for. It was a good, it was, I was really happy that that's where it did. Cause like I say, it's not a, there's not a directly emotive cause around it. I felt like it was the most valuable thing for people that were listening to me drawing on about my self. <laughs> I think that's so nice. I don't think there's, there needs to be an emotive cause around it or for anyone to even want to go and seek help or have someone to speak to. I think it's just really to be able to be in a position where you can do that yeah yeah and that and that's the biggest challenge for people right i think the last five years the best thing about all these conversations to do with mental health is that it's not to cheapen any of the other causes it's such an easy solution for people that actually if you can just you can i, I think you can reach so many more people by just saying to have a chat about it it's okay <laughs> just, yeah breaking that all, stigma that there's has to be you have to be at rock bottom to seek help you yeah, just don't you don't at all you have to make sure that you can uh yeah is that you just it, it can be anybody it can be independent people it can be it's professional help or it can just be people on the end of the line which is what calm is so they they just have people on standby to just chat to which i think is really important especially you know po now post pandemic and how isolated people felt and everything it's uh it's doing some really good stuff there so yeah okay so you say that you like individual sports yeah but there is one sport <laughs> that we love true that is a team sport yes why don't you tell us about your love for arsenal <laughs> football club <laughs> okay like the four listeners just dropped out <laughs> hey how dare you um what an amazing story oh, i could go for hours if you like it's fun yeah uh, football's yeah it's uh yeah, it's a family thing. I remember my first game, I was five. It was the Barry Fry testimonial. Arsenal v Barnet. Arsenal won 6-0, I think. Kevin Campbell scored a hat-trick, and I was hooked from that point onwards. Went with my uncle and my grandfather, and loved them ever since. I just love it. Football's a soap opera. So it's my only, it's my reality TV. Just where I kind of just enjoy it. So there's no Kardashians in that household. It's just... It's just... Just Sky Sports. really nice... Well, no, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's Below Deck is the reality show oh. of choice in my house. Captain Lee! <laughs> Not of personal choice, I should add. Um, no, Arsenal just, it's football. Football is a soap opera, it's great. And I'm, I'm fully invested in it as a concept. Does it ruin my weekend when Arsenal lose? Not really, but it's kind of, it's great when they're great. And they're really great at the moment, depending on when you publish this. Look at, oh, look we're going to have to go live look, like straight away at, whilst we're at the top of the league. Look at this smile on your faces. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's a really nice... Do you know what the good thing about Arsenal? Not to get too deep on it, but it's a really good... Oh, yeah, you're getting into ...story it. <laughs> of patience, investment in young people, togetherness, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, got to trust the process. Trust the process. Yes. Hashtag trust I used the process, to watch Chris. him when, like, uh, Thierry Henry, like, in the early 
2000s. Yeah. I used to love that guy. Come back. I huh. still We're do. We're good again. It's definitely yeah. worth coming back. Yeah, but Real Madrid is just like on my chest right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. You can, you know, there's something, there is something awesome about it. There's an art, there's the way that, there's an artistry to really good football. My problem is that I can also watch really bad football and still quite enjoy it. It's definitely my primary sport. It's choice. the whole essence of the sport. Yeah, it's you? the competitive yeah. nature of it. I think that the reason I only do individual sports is my own control issues, but the glory of team sports I appreciate from the outside. I just don't necessarily want to be involved in it. Wait, I remember you were a football coach once. Or no, you, never. Are you still? Oh, I managed the so I managed the amateur team out here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's cool. yeah. Did you know that that's Ted Lasso vibes? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Did that. Did you know about that? Yeah. Tell yep. us more. God, that was tough. How old were these people? Who well, was just a bunch, we were a group of lads. I played for a team out here, and we decided that we wanted to try and do it on our own. And we pilfered a whole load of players from a whole load of teams, and we had a good run for three years. It was fun. It was good, but it's it's an intense experience on the league football out here. It really is. It's kind of fun for a bit, but it is draining. So it's uh. It's not a safe space you for kids. You fit a lot in around managing work, <laughs> which we haven't even touched on. <laughs> the dogs, your marriage, traveling, exploring, yeah, training. Marriage bit's easy. What else? How do you balance it all? Do you even strive to find a balance where it just kind of comes quite it naturally? It's not I'm a... not very much of a broad thinker on that space. It's not. If you overthink anything around that space because if I started beating myself up I wasn't spending more time doing X, Y or Z that you take the joy out of A, B and C that I was doing so I don't I never think about it it's very it's about, and I appreciate that's an incredibly fortunate place to be in to be able to not have to think about it yeah I'm not sure if my wife thinks that I should think about it a bit more sometimes maybe we should get Laura on the podcast <laughs> yeah. should be like couples therapy you should, have the cu- you should have the comeback episode there was a TV show in the UK where it was whatever the questions were it was like how well do you know your partner and it's, you have to ask five questions of them and you have to see what their answer would be I think be. I saw that on in- Instagram yeah it's very interesting we should do that that should be like an episode that would be nice but we don't want to be the cause of breakups <laughs> yeah. so no it's, it's easy it's, the balance is easy when you're when you when you, you care as not You're doing care. all the things you enjoy right yes yeah. when you when you don't over invest in the feelings around them and just i'm God, very generic but I, i'm i think i'm pretty good at going with the flow with most things which again it always keeps coming back to that if you're not worried about being crap at stuff like all of a sudden now if i said right i'm gonna take up crossfit god forbid and then i was like right i'm gonna be a crossfitter i'm gonna be fittest on earth i'm gonna be in the whatever the crossfit games is then you you're overburdening yourself with stuff but if it's like quite fancy a crossfit class today if I'm great at it, great. If I'm crap at it, then it's okay. Done it too much. So it's that's how you. That's how I'm very. Uh, that's how I feel like I'm good at striking a balance between those things. So you don't set like ultra high goals for yourself. None. You kind of put pressure on yourself to then achieve. Don't have any. That's really nice. <laughs> that's a great outlook in life. Yeah. You just go with it. Yeah. I mean, I have like generic kind of, but they could. You know, you say all of that. That it is. It is nice. Also, could come back to bite me in the backside at some point you know i could sit here in 10 years time and be like geez i'm now old and past it and all of those things might have been missed but, but you're again, still super proactive with everything it's not like you're sat lazing around doing nothing with no, no, no goals so i would i would hope that if in 10 years time like i don't you know stand the question of oh, what do you regret most i don't i, I there's 
behaviors and moments that I regret, but I don't regret missing out on certain things. Should I have invested money in this earlier? Should I have moved to Dubai earlier? Should I have been better at school? Yeah, but it's like... <laughs> By the way, when did you move here? 10 years ago, 2013, yeah, for two years. Wow. It's always like that. Yeah. This is my last year. I think I'm the only person that wasn't like that. I know that wasn't like that. I was never How did moving. you feel about like... I was just moving here. There was never like two years, a year. And I met so many people in like my first couple of years that looked like that. And I was just like, well, why? Why are you, like, <laughs> why are you already thinking about leaving? Just, yeah. just be here. You just arrived See? two days you ago. Think that way. Yeah, I there think I go. probably do have a bit of that attitude. I was here on a holiday. Didn't know that I was staying like 13 years later. <laughs> but yeah. This is, yeah, but this is a good thing about Dubai and the UAE because you can reinvent yourself and the amount oh, of yes. privilege and access that we get. If you work hard for it, it's just like astronomical. It's a, I'm, I'm working on a concept of work at the moment where in our creative sessions, what's been battled around about this place is it's the new American dream. It's come here and be who you want to be, behave, behave as you want to behave, but... You can reinvent yourself. You can. There's access to so many amazing opportunities. And again, I sit here as a very privileged white man, well-educated, that it's, I have even more of those things to be the access to. But I think everybody does. If you want to try and strive, and there's varying degrees of that striving, but I think anybody can, you know, you hear all the amazing stories about the people that during the pandemic were laid off and pivoted to X, Y, and Z and now making amazing businesses. There's a company, geez, this is going to sound incredibly sycophantic because it's my boss's company, but it's a great story, right? So the botanist is a sustainable, green, very healthy, vegan cleaning company, product company. And it was started after the pandemic because I don't know the details of how it exactly came about, but it wasn't what the business ladies were in as a as a thing pre-pandemic and now it's in spinnies car for and every all the popular restaurants like there it there's this genuine hope of making it regional and then global you know to do that in the uk or to do that in normal places any other country so difficult so it's so amazing that dubai gives you a foundation to be able to do it and then because of its its access to certain things because of its position in the world to bring certain things in and all of that sort of stuff. But then also, because I just think Dubai as a place facilitates that kind of behavior. Everything's 20 minutes away. There's a convenience of it. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's great for people. It's actively encouraged like as well. Correct. Because it's in the nature of the country, right? It's 51 years old. We were at the <laughs> time. Out. Really make sure my mum doesn't listen to this. But we're in the, <laughs> we were in Time Out Food Market a couple of days ago. And they've got the Dubai milestones on there on the wall and my, my mum is older than the discovery of oil in this country <laughs> which, was, which I haven't told her yet but I'll take her to that exact seat when she's in town and see if she notices but you see what I mean like it's it's the, the very nature of the country is to reinvent itself and, and strive to be a little bit better version of what you were the day before and I think it rubs off on the majority of people here talk about reinventing yourself yeah. you're a radio guy <laughs> it's a side hustle that's and... that's and i think i love listening to you i remember like i was telling you hey matt it's a sunday afternoon or saturday back then whatever the weekend was and then you you do a lot of radio and commentating no it was my it was my previous life as a journalist i used to do some tv and radio work as part of my newspaper work in the old days and actually that my first friend in dubai was chris uh mccarty who is on the radio here 
Um, he used to try and sell me stories back in the old days when I was a journalist. <laughs> that's how we that's how we built a relationship. He used to he slid into my DMs to tell me about <laughs> certain people in talking to certain people about sports decisions and try and flog me stories. And so when I came out, we built a relationship, and I shared my portfolio of TV and radio stuff with his bosses and. I just got in on kind of the ground floor as a little freelance bit on the side. It's great. It's like, it goes back to my always wanting to be a journalist. I'm still obsessed with the media industry. Still consume anything about the media industry. So it's nice to keep my toe in, I think. What, what, don't, do, what don't you like about the media industry? Oh, all of it. I hate all of it, but I just am obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> Every single part of it. The British, British media industry is, is really a bottom-feeding well of... I mean, really good people. I work with some amazing people, but they're just on a they're on a train to like doomsday with how they package things. But then you could have the argument: is that the chicken or the egg? Are they satisfying an audience, or are they creating an audience's desire for what they create? I don't know. So it's, uh, but I love it. Things like Succession, books like Hack Attack, anything to do with the media industry is obsessed with it because of how much people rely on it. That's where everyone gets their yeah intel from right have arguments with people about things they hear and read i'm not here to rally against mainstream media and tell you that QAnon is the future but it's the idea that you don't really realize that everything has that degree of spin and to broaden your understanding of it so i read a lot of right-wing news and stuff like that to level out where i'm where i am which is leaning to the left um just to see the weird stuff that people write it's important i think what about your new love for tiktok is that oh God, is that best fueling fueling your love wow. for media TikTok. or is that just to escape 30... escape from all of it and watch i don't know pretentious 37 year old loner loves tiktok it's <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's great yeah it's uh whatever it whatever it's doing it's got me it's got its teeth into me real bad i'm cooking recipes off it I mean, I'll, I'll draw a line at the dances at this point. <laughs> I'm not posting anything. I'm still lurking in the background, but it's uh, it's great. It just has a, how whatever it's doing to co- how it's communicating what it's communicating is it just works. Yeah. Bear in mind how long you've had all the other social platforms and all the things I've saved, workouts, recipes, learnings. Done nothing with any of them. Been on TikTok three months and cooked about four recipes. Read a whole load of books off the back of it. It's great. That's very handy. Yeah. <laughs> Information right in front of you. Yeah. Tell us about your TikTok behavior, Sophie. <laughs> Tell us about your posting schedule. What's on the content calendar this month? My TikTok schedule and um, strategy <laughs> uh, was basically to, because I've had it once and posted like one kind of va- vanity, you know, selfie video of myself that was very filtered and like, <laughs> I kind of looked a bit like an alien. So, you know a few people liked it and then I decided I had to delete it because it was just too weird (laughs) then I've come back and decided that I would do videos of my cat um, because he's great and hilarious (laughs) and cute and then I figured well the first video I posted he got like 600 views which I appreciate is not quite viral but then I thought what I'll do is do three of him and then when they start to hit stronger views, post videos of myself, <laughs> and then wow. and then basically, um, you know, to have one of him, one of me, one of him, one I of see. me, and leverage his 
Fame. Fame. <laughs> to make myself <laughs> equally famous. Well. But it's not going so well. And to be honest, I'm just not that consistent with it. I'm not very good with my phone. Most No, it takes me a while to reply to things. I don't take oh. photos of food. I don't. I'm just not that person. It took us four months to book you on this podcast, Matt. Yeah. It's because when Sophie leaves voice notes, she forgets the point of the voice note at the start of it. Three minutes later. She, she sent me one the other day. She's like, oh my God, I just left you the waffliest voice note. And I couldn't send it. Three minutes later, she was still talking about the waffly voice note that she hadn't sent. So yeah, that's why. No good. I'm 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 here for I'm here for the cat content. There's a bit of a brand confusion. It's called Sophie Ryan, but currently nothing but that's pictures of I, the yeah, cat. But that's because I haven't got to the stage yet where he's getting enough views to post ones of myself. Ah, uh, Sophie. But Sophie, we'll get and, there. Sophie and Ron is a it's a narrative we can get on board with. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> any more pets for you? Are you gonna get any more dogs? I would take all of the dogs if I could. Yeah. Oh, so maybe, maybe then. No, it's totally unfeasible. But I, if I could, it's maybe the long term goal that I said I don't have. And but, when is when is the jog? Uh, April twenty twenty four. Okay, so we've got a while to go. So when is that yeah. training going to start? I have a a um, assessment, uh, strength and conditioning gym at four o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> so I did it. I was ill at the start of the year, um, ill like I hadn't been ill for years, and in my pit of despair, I've been talking about doing the jog for a while, not not with any great seriousness, but it's like, oh, that might be fun one day. And I made a participation pack for all the people that I'd asked about the jog over the course of a few years um, and sent it to them and said, you've got to the end of January to commit and sign up. And I mapped out the whole plan, gave them a whole load of route options, literally like a 15-page deck about what it would entail. And I got four, three sign-ups. Nice. There's four of us doing it, yeah. Okay, so not a totally individual no, challenge for this it's time. No, it's a collaborative no, I think you, it will be low world. One, uh, one of the guys in the UK, all from four separate groups. So one is a guy who's only just moved here, really nice chap who I've met is actually the boyfriend of a good friend of mine, or good friend of ours. Um, and he and we get on pretty well. He's part of the Jeep gang as well. And he is a extreme seeker of fun challenges. He's a mountain climber and he's never ridden a bike with any great seriousness. So he's on it. My best mate from home is my best man who I've known for 30 four years he lives in london he only cycles i mean cycles 20 miles a day to work but never anything more than that he's in uh and then just a, a guy that i've only get to know over the last 18 months so it'll be a quite an interesting journey the journey will be as i feel like this could make or break some of these like new and off friendships yeah, yeah quite actually one of the lads <laughs> shared, shared a story the other day of a group of 10 who started the jog a couple of years ago and only four finished because everyone started getting angry with each other it's you you learn you will learn a lot about people on day six of cycling 100 how many, miles yeah, a hundred miles. How many days will it take for I'd you? I'd like to, to do it, it in ten or eleven. So a hundred miles a day for ten or eleven days would be is the target. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, we fine. What gym are you going to train at here? There's a gym called Base in uh, the downstairs of my office building, which is quite convenient. But they're strength and conditioning specialist, and I have for somebody who's done the athletic things I have I still have chronically skinny and not very strong legs and a core that suffers with the same issue that pregnant women have which is not good for a bloke so I have very weak deep abdominal muscles so I have a, like a and I need to strengthen all of that stuff so I'm giving myself four months to 
fix the bad stuff, and then I'll start riding a bike again. You have to do it the right way, because otherwise it's... Is it going to be the same bike, or are you going to get a new bike? I'll have to get a new bike. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> of course. Thanks, Laura. Well, <laughs> I've already been very strictly told I have to sell the other one before I buy another one. Yes, we don't, we don't, our apartment is not big enough for two, two bikes, sadly. And the wall art has not been necessarily approved officially. So I can't have two bikes on the wall. It's so that's the plan. Amazing. Fancy it? I mean... It's her first time in the desert. Take it easy. <laughs> we have to talk about how excited she was this morning. She was very excited. I've never, I've never seen her like that. Like, very, very relaxed. How is it only your first time? It's with, not my first time. It's your first time hidden behind the dunes. Yeah, I mean, I've done, I've done some desert safaris. She's, 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 Do they she's, count? She's been to the Almaha Luxury <laughs> Resort in a G wagon, and <laughs> haven't you? That was the one you did. <laughs> Probably. Of course it was. <laughs> That's fine. I've loved this. Oh, good. I have one final question. What's your dream adventure? Good question. I think it's I think it's a four week New Zealand road trip in a Winnebago. I don't know. I just it just looks like the most as a friend of mine, Robbie, has just got back from a honeymoon in New Zealand and he said it's just I mean you can you know I've you've watched countless videos on it, I'm sure. He just said that I, and Rob's been, Rob's a prolific hiker. He's done Nepal, he's done Machu Picchu and other parts of like the Andes, the Alps. He's done, he's a really, he's a solid walker is Rob. Rob. And he said it just isn't indescribable how beautiful New Zealand is. And the idea of doing, and the Kiwis are great. We have a shared friend, the Kiwi, who's just awesome company. I've never met a New Zealander who I didn't think, quite like to spend more time with you. And the idea of spending four weeks driving around a totally alien landscape, I think, is uh, is pretty cool. Can I throw that back to you? I'm curious, from your perspective. I still want to go to Antarctica. Oh, no, I've seen proper adventure. That's it. That's, uh, that's a dream. I was going to do it in 2020, but uh, it got cancelled, obviously, because of COVID. Yeah. And I haven't bounced back from that. So that's still the dream. This year, I'm going to Iceland again. Nice. Hopefully, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to go to Greenland as well. It's just nice driving around the highlands and, you know. I'd like, a, a, I'd like a new poster, please. I have your... Oh, you still, you still have I it? I still have it, yeah. It's made it into the new house as well. No way. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So I'd like a, I'd like a crucified Iceland photo, please. I'll send you one. Thanks. This is for real? Yeah, I have this. I still have the one from you jumping on the top of the car in the desert with the stars in the background. And I'd like an Iceland one, please. Okay. How big do you want it? Well, you know, poster size, same as the other one. Okay, cool. You yeah. got it. Amazing. Nothing makes me more happier than seeing my prints out there on like people's walls. Oh, well, I must have one then. You have a gold one? I did have one. Sophia, we've known each other for two weeks. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get on that. <laughs> so, yeah. What time is it? Have I got more time? I'm having a nice time. I'm having a nice time too. This is really nice. Next thing we do is barbecue. Alrighty. Awesome. Love it. Thanks, folks. Thanks very much for your time. Absolute pleasure. That was a lovely chat. It's been great to chat to you. Thanks for the secret spot I'm going to put on the UAE campings group. (laughs) (laughs) And we end it there. (laughs) 